lives reinvented, explores the journeys of people who have mastered the art of reinventing themselves. We will hear stories from people who through different circumstances had to make a sharp turn in their lives, and most of the time not knowing or understanding what was around the corner. These conversations will be candid, upfront, and personal with the intention of helping people, companies, and communities navigate the journey of reinvention. We hope that these stories will encourage people who need to reinvent themselves know that they can do it regardless of age, social settings, economics, or emotional blocks. I'm your host, Lenore Danzieri, and many of my inner circle and myself have deemed me a master of reinvention. I earned my living as a certified social and emotional intelligence and leadership coach, helping people reach their highest potential in life, both personally and professionally. In this episode of Lives Reinvented, I will share with you my thoughts, a personal journey or two, and my experiences along the way. I'll tell you about things that propelled me, hindered me, and pushed me. I'll tell you about the emotions I experienced and the feedback I got from my community and the trigger that made me take the leap. Why do we make that painfully difficult decision to reinvent ourselves? Keep in mind that reinventing ourselves is not always driven by an external force which creates a life or death situation or sometimes it's even as simple as wanting to do something different. Wanting to get a different perspective on life, wanting to learn, to experience new things, to stop boredom. And when we do make that decision to do something different, what is it that stops us from following through or even stepping off of that proverbial cliff? Insecurity, outside influences, finances, changes, all legitimate reasons, but all reasons fueled by fear. I recently had a conference call with a group of people who are working on a project that could change the course of their careers and their communities. We went through an hour of discussions about the how-tos, the what-ifs, and the what-not-to-dos, and the what-to-dos to get the project moving. They had it all right, so I posed the question. At this point, having a well-thought-out plan, all the moving pieces in their respective places, and the support of your families, friends, and peers, why are you not pulling the trigger? Why are you focused on more and more on research? It was time to just do it. There is no better time than the present. Let me tell you about the first time I reinvented myself in a major way. I grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, with my mom and sister, and my grandparents lived on the same block as we did. My mother, a single mom, did her best to raise my sister and I on her own. The household was tumultuous on its best day, and none of us understood how to communicate. We were really good at fighting, verbally, physically, and mentally. I was perceived as a rebellious child, and and I was. As the older sister, much of the responsibility of the household fell on me since my mother went to work every day. On top of my household chores, I was responsible for my little sister's comings and goings, and I worked after school in a gift shop which was about a mile from our home. There is relevance to the gift shop. I was expected to be an adult, except for when I was expected to be a child. I was so damn confused. No wonder I was resentful. One day I came home from school and I was getting ready to go to work. 
Like many other days, my sister and I had a disagreement and began to fight. Only this day was different for me. I had gotten some news that rattled me to my core. My negative dark side emerged, and that caused the fight to escalate faster and more intensely than any other time. My sister contributed to my distress with antagonism, and I became more violent than ever. When all of that was done, I went back to my routine, I got dressed, and I went to work. I walked to work, so that gave me time to cool down and mentally prepare myself for the evening ahead. I was scheduled to close the store, so that gave me about six hours out of my house. When I arrived, my mood changed for the better. The fact is that whenever I was out of my house, I was a completely different person. I was able to be myself. I felt love, happiness, excitement, I was encouraged by my friends, I was productive, and I had many opportunities to be proud of myself. It's hard to remember ever having those emotions within my house. At around 8.30 in the evening, I received a frantic call from my mom. She was screaming at me about my behavior at home earlier in the day and told me that I had to leave the house or she would put me in a group home for delinquents. That was a story that repeated itself many times during my lifetime. I tried to explain my side of the story, but that didn't go over well, so I hung up the phone and went on with my duties to close the store. As I said, this was not the first time I was thrown out of my house. It was basically a weekly occurrence. I would typically walk down the block to my grandparents' house when this happened, looking for my grandmother to console me and beg me to be a good girl. She'd call my mom tell her to let me come home, and I would sheepishly walk back, accept the backlash, and sit in my room. Sometimes, my pain was so bad that I would cut myself just to relieve the emotional pain. Sometimes, I'd sit in my closet to shut myself off from life, and sometimes, I would just get on my bike and ride to nowhere until my legs just couldn't pedal anymore. I was so exhausted not from work, but because I had heard these threats from the time I could remember. I remember my head and my heart pounding so hard, and I just wanted to throw myself in the bay that was next door to the store, but I decided not to. There were so many thoughts and scenarios that were going through my mind that by the time I became aware of where I was again, I was about to turn the corner of my house. When I turned the corner, I would pass my grandparents' apartment and thought about just going in there to avoid what would be a very unpleasant welcome by my mom. I didn't know what I would find when I walked into my home. Would she hit me? Would she pull my hair? Would she call me names? Would she insult me, compare me to my sister? You can't even imagine what was going through my head. I took a few deep breaths to calm my nerves and realized that I was standing in front of my house. I had no idea how I got there. I stood there for a few minutes, just staring at the house, trying to figure out how I would apologize to my mom and convince her to let me stay, or how I would fight back, or how I could sneak into the house without being heard and going into my room unnoticed. There were three steps in front of my house, and I stared at them, trying to navigate my way up. I was like a robot. Finally, I climbed them to my screen front door. 
and as I reached for the doorknob, I remember my hands were shaking. In spite of that, I turned the doorknob and opened it, and I stopped again at the second door that would lead me into the vestibule of my house. I was wondering if I was doing the right thing. I spent a few moments and then I opened the second door and inside the vestibule, I saw my life in front of me, one suitcase. The message was clear to me, but the answer was not. I picked up the suitcase, turned around, closed the doors and walked back down those three steps that would change my life forever. A few steps beyond the stairs put me on the sidewalk. On any other of these types of days, I would make a right turn and go to my grandparents' house. But I just stood there. I was like paralyzed. I had enough. I looked to the right, then to the left, knowing that if I took the left, it would be the end of my life as I knew it. I also knew that if I turned left, there was no turning back. I'd have to keep on walking until I found my new life. I turned left. As I walked without a destination, I realized I was now homeless. In spite of that, I felt a sense of relief, calmness, if you would, accompanied by fear of the unknown. How does one handle all these emotions falling into one? Well, I found a way to do it. It wasn't easy. I spent the following night sleeping on park benches or at friends' homes. I was able to keep my job at the gift shop. Unfortunately, school was not an option. Things happened so fast. I didn't have a plan, but I did have faith. Faith in myself knowing that I am a survivor and a thriver and that eventually things would fall into place. I contacted some friends of mine that lived in Woodstock, New York after a while. They were a married couple with two small children and they had just started a business. When I called, I asked if I could stay with them for a while in exchange for childcare and they agreed. I was so excited. I bought a bus ticket and went to Woodstock with hopes that I would have an opportunity to make a life for myself there. And I did for a while. Until one night, I was raped by my friend's husband. And in the middle of the night, I snuck out of the house with my suitcase. And the next day, took a bus back to New York City. I arrived back to the city later in that day. And I remember it was dark in those days, Manhattan was not the safest place to be for an adult man, never mind a young girl. When I arrived in the Port Authority bus terminal, I noticed many homeless people there, and I decided that I would join this community and find myself a place to squat and call home. For a while, I sat there just looking around and saw my community peers shooting heroin, fighting, cursing, nodding out from alcohol or drugs. There was even a woman peeing in the middle of the terminal floor. But what I remember the most was how people looked at them, how people looked at us with horror and disgust in their eyes. Some looked like they had sympathy for this cesspool of homeless beings, 
but even they were afraid to come near any of us to offer help. Damn, even I was afraid. I remember fighting my need to sleep, but with the exhaustion that overcame me and having no control, I hugged my suitcase that contained my life and I dozed off into a light sleep, but sleep nonetheless. I woke up to the sounds of footsteps, voices, and the smell of coffee. I saw a sea of people focused on getting to their destinations. They were all dressed in suits, dresses, high heels, nice briefcases, nice handbags. I noticed the members of my community started to awaken, standing and positioning themselves into the crowds, hands extended to receive any charity that would be offered. Realizing I was out of money, I reluctantly stood and positioned myself in the crowd and extended my hand. I saw an arm come my way and drop a quarter into my hand. I almost died. I couldn't believe that this was what my life had come to. But in my heart of hearts, I knew it wasn't me. I wanted to see the face of the person so I could thank them, but they were gone before I could even do that, probably hoping to go unnoticed. I stared at that quarter, then I looked up at the suits and the dresses passing me by, and I made a decision. I was going to reinvent myself. Make changes, and make changes soon. Soon, I would be one of those people dressed so nice, coming from and going to a home, going to work, and making a better life for myself. I took the quarter and my suitcase and left the Port Authority. I got on the subway and headed back to Brooklyn. I was 15 years old. Making the decision that the homeless life was not for me sent me spiraling into a vortex of thoughts about how I was going to reinvent myself. It was an uphill battle, in spite of having so many negative influences in my life and hearing how unworthy I was of anything, I refused to believe that. Admittedly, those thoughts entered my head every now and again. Remember, I was homeless. I had no money at this point. I didn't smell very good, and I was alone. Back to Brooklyn. I didn't go home. Instead, I called my best friend from the corner payphone and she convinced me to go to her house where she and another friend were hanging out. Her house was on my block, so it was like a covert operation to walk to her house, watching over my shoulder, hoping that no one knew that where I was or who I was. But long story short, her friend turned out to be a cousin of mine who I met maybe once in my life. And she convinced me to come home with her and she would hide me. So I went. When I arrived at her house, nobody was home and she took me to her room. And I noticed that she had a religious altar of some kind. It was very unfamiliar to me. So she told me that she was a Buddhist and all about her experiences since she joined. She chanted, she told me, and she was able to get things that she wanted. So if I wanted a roof over my head, food, a job, a life, I can 
chant too, and I will get all of those blessings. As time went on, I started to attend the meetings of the Buddhist group that she belonged to, and she introduced me to the leader of the group, and his name is Mr. Karita. Just a little footnote, I have to mention him here, as he was instrumental in the most important reinvention of myself. He understood my situation and felt compassion, but had faith in me. He helped me to get a job as a receptionist at a Japanese company in Queens, New York. He went out on a limb. I was the worst receptionist on earth, and they told me so. But they let me find my way. Mr. Karita also helped me to find an apartment in Manhattan and a roommate so that I can afford it. I didn't have a bed, only sheets on the floor, but it beat a park bench. My first steps toward my new life had happened, but I knew I needed more. Thank you so much, Mr. Karita. I owe you a lifetime of gratitude. Back to the story. Working at a Japanese company, I became interested in the language and the culture, and I began to eat the food. There was this bento vendor that used to come to the office and serve us Japanese lunch every day. I was unaware that my boss actually knew of my situation, and that's why he put up with me. But as he watched me grow, he became more interested in my mentality. He introduced me to more and more of the Japanese culture, and I accepted those lessons. I think that his motive was to have me work my way up through the company. I embraced the lessons that he gave me. Every night for almost a year, I went home to my sheet, pulled out books, and studied. Studied Japanese, studied business, studied how to answer a phone, anything that would help me excel. Little did I know how much that time would benefit me throughout my life. At 17, I finally realized how smart I really was. I became fluent in the language, the culture. I became fluent in life. So I moved to Japan. The lessons I learned during that period are the foundation of my future. I wasn't lucky enough to have the support and love most children have, so I had to figure things out by myself. I knew I was uneducated, so I found ways to learn on my own. I knew that I was homeless, but I didn't give up or give into situations that would bring me down. I knew that I had to figure things out on my own, but it was okay to ask for help. I knew that most people didn't understand my situation, but that was okay. I was honest and told them the story anyway. The fear I had could have stifled my progress in life, but I chose to ignore that fear. I chose to defeat the odds against me. I didn't pay attention to the negative words, looks, actions that came my way. I chose to thrive at the age of 15 and until this day when it's time for me to reinvent myself yet again. And there have been many of those times, including now, that I draw on those experiential lessons to propel me to my success. 
Throughout my life, I have heard so many excuses why people could not reinvent themselves. Most of it was age. I don't get that. With so many amazing life lessons, as life progresses, the experience we have at any age can only help us. Not only help us, but help others. My hope is that anyone who will listen to this and other stories will release the fears that hold them back and become one of the lives reinvented. Thank you for listening to Lives Reinvented. And if you're interested in sharing your story about your reinvention, please visit my website at mindfulleadershipproject.com. Until next time.